I think if anything, we've moved from a golden age of analog horror to a silver age, but I also don't think that's true. Welcome to this new weird thing that I want to attempt to try. So basically, if you don't know who I am, I'm Pat Ratrick. I run a horror channel on YouTube that revolves around digital horror, analog horror, uh, horror games and unfiction, just, you know, all the big internet things. I also have a second channel that you've probably seen. I mostly cover horror-based drama. If you're a follower of my main channel, you've also probably seen my second channel. But this is really the thing that I've wanted to incorporate in some way or another for quite some time now because I think it's something the scene as a whole is lacking, and that is a podcast. As far as I know, nobody's doing a fully centered digital horror, analog horror podcast. I'm just going to refer to it as internet horror because saying all that in a string together is absolutely a lot. But anyways, I haven't seen anyone really make a internet horror-adjacent podcast, which everybody wants to make a podcast about everything, like, ever. So it's weird that this is a missing gap, and I'm hoping I can fill that in some way. So basically, the formula that I'm thinking we're going to go with, and this might not work, I might hate it, I might, you guys might hate it, but what I'm thinking is every episode I can come up with a topic... Like, for example, I want to do a video on digital horror aesthetics that I think aren't being used as much. Because, you know, we have, like, flash horror that we see a lot. I mean, that's, like, a big one, really, is, like, flash horror. We have, like, early Windows Movie Maker style. But between those two... But between those two, there's some missing aesthetics that I think some people are overlooking that I'd really love to do a podcast episode on that I couldn't really make a full-fledged video on because for one, that's not really the style of my like main deep dive videos and it's also just, I don't think that do very well as a video. But in the podcast setting, I think it would do great. And my heater just came on, so I'm gonna have to do a cut here. And I am back, but to you it was nothing. And that's another big thing that I think the podcast is great for is I'm really not editing this, like there's gonna be some cuts and some clips, but it's really some long form content that I can get out for you guys that, you know, I can discuss something I might not have wanted to discuss on my main channel that like might not fit in, but it's something I really wanna talk about. I really want to keep improving these analysis videos that I've been doing. I realistically could probably pump out like three of them a month, but the quality would stay very stagnant, and that's my biggest fear on YouTube is stagnation, not from like a views or like subscriber number, but like from a personal content growth perspective. I always want these things to be like keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because not only do I just want to be like, oh, that's so cool, I made that myself, but also I think a lot of these series, especially these underrated ones, deserve to be treated as like how people will make like three hour long Mandela catalog videos or like make super in-depth analysis of things like these smaller series that aren't giving as much attention still deserve a level of quality in analysis as anything else and I really want to be able to boost my content like the the new video I'm working on I've really taken my time on it and it's not like a super long video like say Chez was it's 
probably the same as like the ones for Halloween, which I did pump out four for Halloween and they felt, to me, they felt like they could have always been better. So I never want to just push out three at a time, but like with this new video, I'm really like looking over the script. I'm double checking my notes. I'm re-analyzing everything and making sure it fits cohesively. And then I'm also trying to incorporate more cinematography and stuff so it looks much more visually appealing. So having the podcast in between that is just a really nice way to sort of pad out, I guess is the right word, more content on the channel that I still have time to like make these bigger videos, but I can also still get like something solid out. So like I said, I wanna do these podcasts sort of in if I'm by myself, I have a topic, or if I'm with someone else, I'll let them pick the topic. But the topic for today is why start a podcast, which is something we're already kind of discussing. And another big point as to why I want to start a podcast, aside from, you know, it's more content that is very easy for me to make that I think heightens the channel. And, you know, it's something I've wanted to do. And I'm also just filling a space I think isn't there is the collaboration part. Now, how I think I'm going to do this is I'm going to have an email now. That is, it's ratden.inquiry at gmail. I'll put that up on the screen and it'll be in the descriptions. If you want to send me any questions and then we'll answer them towards the end of the video. Or if you want to, you know, be like, hey, you should collaborate with this person. Or if any content creators want to collaborate and come on themselves, please send me an email there. But basically how I want to do this is if I have another content creator that is also like a YouTuber in the sphere, It'd be really cool if we could pick like a topic that, you know, say like, oh, let's discuss Gemini home entertainment and we can kind of cross analyze our theories or like Chez, because Chez is a very in-depth um, like ARG digital horror. And there's a lot of like little missing pieces and it's still very vague as to what's going on. So it'd be really cool to have another content creator come on and we could kind of bounce theories off each other because that's something I don't see as much in the digital horror field, like, for example, FNAF. FNAF has, if you're a FNAF tuber, you basically are a theory channel. And there really aren't that many, I'd say, theory-based discussions in like analog and digital horror on YouTube. You'll find them in Discord, like if you go to Chez's Discord, there's people in there talking all the time. I use Chez as an example, but like for everything, but that's just because I think Chez is like, so good but yeah there's like i don't see a lot of discussion in between different creators most creators will just be like okay here's the analysis here's my theory that's the end of the discussion there's never like any different differentiating opinions when it comes to the theories and i think this could be a really good spot that you know I could have another person, another YouTuber come on and we could talk theories or we could just talk about like what we really like or we could discuss like different problems. Like I said, if I have another content creator on, I will let them pick the topic and we can discuss it that way. And then another thing that I think would really be awesome in the collab sphere is to interview some of these people that are making these internet horror creations. For example, you know, I could have Alex Kister on if he wanted to come on and you guys could email me the questions. I'll put like I did this time. I'll put, you know, it on my Twitter and I'll put it on my YouTube and I'll be like, hey, interviewing Alex Kister for this podcast. Any questions you want to ask and then I can get a curated list and we can have a discussion. Now, 
I'll use Alex as an example because I already brought him up. Alex is public. You know, he has a public Twitter. He has a public YouTube. His game, game, his project, Mandela Catalog, or like Mystifying Oracle, is not locked to an account. Alex has a platform that he can discuss anything he really wants to on. Some of these creators don't really have that opportunity. Like, say, I'll use Chez as an example again, but this one's kind of iffy because Chez does use Twitter. Like, they'll break character sometimes, but a lot of these, like, YouTube channels or, like, Twitter accounts that are tied to these um, internet series are, like, ARG-based, so they don't want to break character. And that can kind of suck, and I could see how that would be, like... I know they want to do that, obviously, because that's, like, part of the game, but some people are really obsessed with, like, immersion breaking, and they don't want to break immersion. That they don't have a platform that they can come on and be like, yeah, this scene here was, like, I made it like this, and it was very intentional horror in a certain way, and this is why I think it worked. And I think that'd be, like, a really cool thing to have someone who maybe can't express that to their platform come on here and be like, okay, now I finally have a chance to, like, talk about this really cool thing I made without having to ruin this re ruin this really cool thing that I made. So that's another big reason why I wanted to start the podcast is to give these certain creators that might not have a voice a place that they could be vocal about their series and, you know, brag and talk about it and explain it and just gush about the whole process. Another reason I wanted to start the podcast is I also just want to get better at sort of like talking to the camera. Um, this is something I did on my Patreon before I closed down my Patreon, rip all the supporters that were on there. I just really found it hard to like balance everything I was doing and it didn't feel like beneficial to keep posting or keep my Patreon up without posting content I felt. So I just took it down. All the content's free now. Um, but I used to do these things called video diaries where I probably like three or four of them out. I would talk about sort of my experience with making stuff during that time. Like I'd talk about any hurdles I had or just basically rant about whatever. And that is something I'd like to do again. And I think this podcast gives me the ability to do that because there are a lot of things in like the digital horror space that I want to talk about, but like I said, won't make like a full video or it'll feel out of place. And the Reet Rat channel was supposed to be that, and it still is, but the Reet Rat channel is going to kind of experience a different change. Just It's basically whatever I want to make. And at the moment, that's been commentary drama videos in the sphere, which is just such a silly concept, and I don't know how we came to that, but I just wanted to make like a video one time, and then I was like, man, that was kind of fun. And I kept making them. But there'll be, there'll be really weird stuff on that channel one day. Don't, don't you worry. But yeah, I basically just wanted a podcast to be able to sort of get more content out and just get stuff out that I wanted to say, as well as give the community a little platform that, you know, people could, could give the community a little platform that people could come to and just voice themselves, as well as give like my audience the chance to interact with some of these people or interact with me in a way that maybe they couldn't. But yeah, I think that's basically everything that I wanted to say about that. Once again, the email for this will be ratden.inquiry if there's anybody that wants to come on and do this crazy thing with me, perhaps. So I'm going to move along to the question segment. This is also something I think we're going to do sort of in the latter half is answer these questions depending on what exactly we're doing. And this time I pulled from my Twitter and my YouTube both of my YouTube channels. So 
next time, hopefully we're going to be pulling from the email as opposed to these places because I really don't want to put a post every single week being like, hey, ask me some questions. So our first question was from TT Tom T2. So Tom2, it's got some T's in there. They said, what made you start a horror YouTube channel? So a bit of a history lesson for you guys. This channel didn't actually start out as a horror channel. Um, before I was really just making like whatever, my first video I ever made that is now, it's not lost, it's on my computer, but you'll never see it again because it is gone. Um, it is a horrendous hour and two minute, maybe 20 minute video where I compiled a bunch of Barbies together, like a ton of Barbies. I don't even know how many it was, but it was like these weird collectors Barbies. Like there was like a Campbell's soup one. It was just tons and tons of Barbies I found online. And basically I went through and just discussed them and it was the most boring, low quality thing ever. I don't think I wrote a script, which I do now. I think it was pretty much just like this, like me talking through them. And I did this a couple times. I did this with like collectible Furbies, which I think that video is still up on the Pat Ratrick channel. Is that this channel? No, the Rat Patrick channel, the channel that literally is just there to host Corbo, the music video for my friend's band. Um, But yeah, no, I did. I basically just started out making whatever I wanted. I made like a Scooby-Doo, like Lost, like Nightmare, N Pfft. Night of a Hundred Frights, Scooby-Doo, um, had a PS1 prototype and I downloaded it and made a video on that. This channel didn't switch to horror until Halloween of last year when I made a Nun Massacre video that absolutely exploded. That's still my biggest video to this day. That video is sitting at, it's almost at a million views right now. I think it's at like 800K. But I made that video um, because it was a two-parter where I did Booty Cheek Creek Freak into Nun Massacre, which are both Torture Star slash Puppet combo games. Um, and I just really love Nun Master so much that I made that video. And looking back now, I absolutely despise that video. I think that video is horrible. There's no sound. I take way too many pauses. I just, my content has evolved so much since then. But that video did so well because I was passionate about the topic. And so I did the smart move and I made a couple more indie things, like indie horror things to ride it out a little bit. But I didn't see like the same number success. I was definitely chasing numbers at that point. And then I was like, man, I was like, why did none do so well? But these other things aren't doing as well now. And I came to the conclusion that I just said that, you know, people liked it because I was passionate about it. So I was like, man, I already have this like group of people interested in a horror game. What else am I like really passionate about that? this audience would like and I was like oh duh horror like I love horror it's like one of my favorite things so I didn't make <laughs> more videos on horror at all I thought about it for a very long time but then I was in this spot that I think a lot of youtubers get into and that is like especially new youtubers is that you don't want to niche down which definitely just niche down if you're out there making videos that are like any type of okay quality and you're interesting and you like really care about what you're making, but you're making videos on movies and games and comics and all this other stuff, just niche down, find like one thing that you're super duper passionate about and just talk about that because people will love it. And 
That's what I did, and I really put, like, I cut my teeth on Chess Kids, which was a daunting task because Chess Kids is a massive digital horror series that just has all these little intricacies, and it's just, that's my longest video. It's like an hour and nine minutes or something, and that video boosted me up, and then that was my first ever real dive into making videos about digital horror, which is something I've already, like, loved forever and been following like i've been very enamored in the community and like i don't know what the right word is i've been very obsessed with digital horror not just digital horror but like analog horror like i've watched it forever i loved creepypastas i loved like all the stuff that adult swim did um when mandela catalog came out i couldn't get enough of it like it's just always been something that i've really really loved and now that i've made the channel go for a little bit longer and really, really gotten to, like, know some of these people and, like, see all this work and find all these, like, small, underrated things. I just, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I niched down. Not only was it, like, beneficial, like, algor algorithmically, but not only do I feel, like, so much more fulfilled, I also feel like I have in a really, really dumb way, like, a greater purpose in the scene now because that's kind of, like, the difference, I'd say, between, like, me and some of the other channels, not to dog on anyone or like toot my own horn, but I try very hard, unless it's something that I just really, really, really want to talk about. I make a good effort to incorporate as many underrated, like unseen projects as I can into my videos because I really just want to like boost these smaller creators up that are making incredible, incredible things and give them like that little spark they need to just like take off. And when that happens, that's super great. Like with Bugbo and Lacey's and like even Hot Dog Archives got like a massive boost. It's just really great to hoist people who are doing cool things up and just, you know, put some more eyes on their stuff. So what made me start a horror channel? Really nothing. I, I just really always liked horror and it just kind of, I just kind of naturally slid into that. Um, This next question is going to be brain rotty to read but once i finally got what they were asking i thought it was kind of a funny question so bagman444 said do you think online horror like digital horror will reach a meta of horror based on a nostalgia for nostalgia based horror i don't know if i have just brain damage or something but this was so hard for me to read at first basically what he's asking is do i think that digital horror will eventually reach a point where it's making horror based off of nostalgia-based horror, which, yes, I we, we are there right now. Um, if you think about it like Ben Drowned, the reason why Ben Drowned worked, not because it was like a pretty compelling creepypasta for the time, and like ARG in general, that was something I think people hadn't seen before, was like ROM hacks of like Nintendo 64 games and what they could really, really do. But it works because... People were nostalgic about Majora's Mask. So you make a creepypasta based on a, Majora, a Majora's Mask that is inherently nostalgia-based horror. Now you have things like... Um, God, what are they called? I can't think of it. Hold on. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Macabre experiments. I could not think of the name, and that's probably a butcher. And if you know anything about me, I will butcher any pronunciation you give me. But, you know, the one that's literally... That and um, Chainmail Chasers. Like, I don't think Chainmail Chasers has done anything inherently that was 
creepypastas based off of nostalgia yet, but... Yeah, as we get into more of these creepypasta digital horror like rises, I guarantee you this will be something that we see very, very soon. This extreme meta-ness where people are making horror based off of nostalgic horror. Nostalgic horror based off of nostalgic horror. Like, a great question. It totally tripped me up for a while. But yes, I think we're currently seeing that, and I think we'll see more of it for sure. Um, Synthwave Arcade said, What's one of your favorite pieces of media that you've covered? Um, this one's hard because I really, I, anything I cover is something that I'm like really, really a fan of. Um, obviously Lacey's Games is amazing. Um, Chez Kids is probably one of my top. This new video I'm making right now on Mystifying Oracle, which should be out anytime soon. Um, Mystifying Oracle has really become like one of my favorite pieces of horror in general. I think there's a lot of depth to it. But to pick one favorite, I mean, Doodad's amazing too, because Doodad has really transformed. Fun fact too, I said Doodad was probably an ARG, but I wasn't sure. It's definitely an ARG. Um, it has progressed into something completely wild. If you haven't watched Doodad and you watched my first video on it, I would highly recommend going back and checking Doodad out because there is much more substance to it. Um, even Milton's. Milton's has really progressed into a series that I really love. But if I had to pick a favorite, like hand across my heart I think I have to say Mystifying Oracle which I haven't covered it yet but I really really do love Mystifying Oracle um, Heavenly Cryptid on Twitter asked me what is your opinion on people saying that analog horror is dead since it's been said everywhere this is a really weird take to me I don't believe analog horror is dead in any way and I don't think analog I, I think if anything we've moved from a golden age of analog horror to a silver age, but I also don't think that's true because there's still massively amazing analog projects coming out, like, all the time. Like, Greylock. Greylock's fairly newer analog horror that is, like, recently blowing up. Vitacarnus wasn't that long ago. Even, like, Mandela Catalog, in terms of, like, analog horror, is still, like, fairly new. I don't think analog horror is dead by any means. I think that analog horror has started to form some tropes that people are getting sick of, but then there's still so much to be done in that field that, like, there's no way it's dead. It's still getting incredibly popular. It still has so many people ready to dip their toes into it. And there's such an overlap now with digital horror, where digital horror is really an untapped market. And there's so much... I say this all the time. There's so much potential in digital horror, like... Because analog horror, you know, you have analog technology. That can only go so far... When it comes to digital horror, it's basically a mixed bag. There is so much stuff that people are not pulling from right now that it, someone's just going to come around and like be like, oh, I could make an analog horror series about like an actual website. Like I could make the actual physical website of it with playable Flash games. I really can't think of another example off the top of my head. That's no another thing I want to make like a podcast episode on is like more ways that I think digital horror could be used, but... There's just so much, and there's such an overlap between analog to digital that you could start an analog series and integrate digital things with it, and no. Analog horror is just going to keep evolving and changing, and we're a long way from seeing analog horror be dead. I think analog horror has tropes, like I said, that people don't enjoy that formed very quickly, but all horror genres start to form these tropes. I just think the saturation 
of some of these tropes and some of these projects has just gone to people's head. And people are going to whine and complain that something's dead all the time because they're sick of one particular part of it. Starreaker on Twitter asked me, what interests you in horror? Or what kind of horror would you say hits you the most? Love your work, man. Thank you so much for that. Um, What interests me in horror? Or what kind of horror hits me the most? I'm definitely a big psychological horror person. Um, jump scares don't really get me. Sometimes jump scares get me if they're like timed right, but I'm very immune to jump scares. I've, I've consumed horror a lot of my life, and I think a big part of that is like, I just, it's just something I grew up with. Like, I was always fascinated with, like, slasher movies, and I was always fascinated with just the macabre nature of things. Like, I, I would always, I was one of those kids that would always, like, be playing Club Penguin or, like, you know, Webkins, and I'd be looking up, like, the scary haunted things in, like, these worlds. Like, I remember, like, reading, like, The Webkins Killer and being, like, fascinated by it. It was just always, I think horror draws, especially horror that is, like, changing your perspective as like a kid because you know you have I think I've said this before like these really really sanitized like worlds for kids and then that being turned creepy that was something that was always really drawing and I think that's a big part of horror that really pulls me in is like the unknownness of horror like being afraid of something you don't know and what's going to come is a big thing that's draws me into horror also i just like i just like it i don't know it's hard to explain i just i like it i love slasher films i love corn if you give me a chance to pick between like a comedy or like a rom-com or like an action film or like a horror film like a cheesy slasher horror film i will always pick the horror film i think there's just so much you can do and there's so many different ways that you can portray horror be it like saw where it's like a detective drama or like nightmare on elm street where it's like this corny fantastical fiction thing but then you still have like these grotesque slasher elements or you know like mystifying oracle where it's like ghost adventuring and like this paranormal side but it's like mixed in with like early youtube there's just so much to be done with horror in so many ways to make it effective but the kind of horror that hits me the most is definitely, like, psychological. Like, if you make my brain think about something to where I have to, like, dissect what's going on, the more I start coming to that realization of what's happening, the more it will scare me. 100%. If you, especially if it's stuck in my head and I can't figure it out, but I know something's off. It's like the moment that it clicks and I understand what's happening, that terrifies me. It always will. Great question. Thank you so much for that. Another one from Twitter. We have a Poya Chip. Has a non-horror game ever given you an unintentional, an intentional or unintentional scare? If so, what game was it and why? There's definitely quite a few games, I think. Like, I remember playing Minecraft when it first came out and I was terrified. Because I played Minecraft when they just added pumpkins. So this was like, I don't know, I was young maybe like 2011 like my timeline could be off but i was i was young um i remember i i couldn't even use a pickaxe like i didn't know how to build a pickaxe i didn't know that like crafting was a thing so i punched a hole into the stone which took me forever but it made like a little nine by nine and 
eventually I started learning the game a little bit. I'm like, oh, I can make a pickaxe. I like dug before I even learned how to make a pickaxe. So I dug two blocks out and I opened it in like this giant cave. And back then in Minecraft, Minecraft had such a different feel that like the cave noises and there being a zombie there just genuinely terrified me so much that like this nice little safe home I had was now like open to this dark chasm of like ah, and like you know the spooky minecraft ambiance noise um that was genuinely terrifying for me and i think i stopped playing minecraft a little bit after that i, I guess another really like non-horror game thing that used to scare me was in bully when you went to the like bully like rockstar's game there's a circus that you can go to, and in that circus and like carnival, you can enter a freak show. And there's like a tattooed man, there's like a bearded lady, there's like mucha libre wrestling, I think. I could be wrong. There's like a mermaid. But there's like there's a dude in a straight jacket and like this really emaciated man. And I remember every time I walk in there, and they're they're behind glass, like you, they can't interact with you. But I always feared that, like, I would go into there at night and they would, like, be out of the glass somehow and they'd be able to get me. And I remember seeing, like, videos on YouTube, like, early YouTube of people, like, camera clipping into there. Maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe it was just, like, my friends, like, telling rumors, you know, like, schoolyard rumors about, like, you can go there at night and they'll, like... You can get into like the different like cages and they'll come out. But I remember at one point I did go back into those and they didn't come out or anything. But I remember like the moment walking into there at night and trying to get in there would just terrified me. Another great question. Thank you, Poya Chip. Puya? Poyo? Like I said before, if you give me something to butcher in pronunciation, I will absolutely do it. No problems. Um, this is our last question. I got a bunch of questions, and thank you all for your questions. Like I said, um, send them in to ratden.inquiry at gmail. Um, I definitely answer more. There's just so many questions, and I didn't want this to go on for, like, what are we at? We're, like, 34 minutes. There's some editing, probably a bunch of editing because I messed up a lot. This is also my second recording, so probably pushing, like, 40 minutes, but I couldn't get around to every question, and some of them were very silly. You guys are... True practical jokesters. <laughs> Anyways, our last question is from Jay Freeland um, on Twitter. And they said, any particular media that got you into the horror genre? I don't know if I'd say there was like one thing. I think it was like a bunch of things that eventually built up. But whenever I was younger, I really didn't read a whole lot. At least like it took me a while to like find things that I wanted to read. And I remember one of the first things I ever found, because we used to have these classes where it would be like your English class, but you would get taken to different classrooms depending on your reading level. And I had a I had a really high reading level whenever I was young, but I just didn't ever want to read. But in this one, like all the other classes would mostly be like, okay, we're sitting down and focusing on reading this one book as a class. But like the higher up ones, they, they were in this one teacher's classroom that had like these massive bookshelves of like all kinds of books. And she was basically just like, yeah, just pick whatever, read whatever, as long as you're reading, I don't care. And I remember the Goosebumps books, the Give Yourself Goosebumps, the ones that were like adventures. 
what is there like choose your own adventure i remember i read those a bunch and that was probably my first real interaction with horror because i remember even younger than that being absolutely terrified of the goosebumps show like i would refuse to watch it because it used to come on um the cable in our house and there was even like a commercial for our library that was like about like oh we have goosebumps now and it was like spooky and i would always run out of the room but the thing was is like i'd always like stay and i'd hear it come on and be like oh, i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it but then eventually i'd get scared and run away so definitely goosebumps probably got it got like my biggest influence early on because it was always i was afraid of horror until i wasn't anymore like deathly afraid like i'd run away but i always wanted to watch it like it was that fascination of like what is this thing and definitely i read goosebumps and i loved goosebumps um i watched the nightmare on elm street movies way younger than i probably ever should and those traumatized me and those were probably the first horror movies i actually went back to whenever i started sort of enjoying horror and then I think, like, after, you know, I started going through, like, the corny, like, 80s slasher movies, I really started to get invested in, like, creepypastas. And I would just, like, spend hours a day, like, playing RuneScape or, like, have a hotel with my headphones on just listening to creepypastas all day. I know that didn't answer your question of any particular media, but like I said, it really, I just kind of, like, built on these little facets, but... One particular media, probably Goosebumps. Goosebumps probably was like my first dive into horror as well as I think a lot of kids, which I think is such a great thing that I think is kind of missing in some regards. Like we have like the Fazbear Frights books, but like Goosebumps was really such a good thing like for kids. It's so hard to make like compelling kids horror that is both scary and like that intrigue of horror, but also doesn't like traumatize them. And I think Goosebumps fit that like perfect little entry door into kids becoming longtime horror fans and i think it just like holds a death grip on a lot of my generation's attachment to horror in general nowadays kids don't care kids watch skibbity toilet and fnaf jump scare compilations for hours on end and those are pretty much all the questions once again i think this is the third time i've mentioned this but i will say it one more time if you want to ask questions or if you want to collaborate with me or you want to tell me to collaborate with somebody, the email is ratden.inquiry at gmail. That is inquiry, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y. And I think we just hit the 40 minute mark. So we're going to wrap this up because I'm going to edit it and try to get it out. This should be available everywhere. Um, I don't know exactly when. But I'm going to try to get these on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, um, Google Podcasts, I think is a thing. I'm going to try to get it everywhere. So if you enjoyed this, please tell me or don't. If you absolutely despised it, also please tell me. Um, it's something I want to work towards. I don't think this is going to be the permanent setup. I really don't think I even like this lighting. It's just kind of a spur of the moment thing that I was like, okay, I've been prepping this a little bit. Let's get it done because I want to get this ball on the roll so that we can, you know, build upon this podcast and make it better. I think that's going to be good for this first part. The next part, I hope will be a little bit more exciting. Really just want to do a bunch of explaining here. Um, but yeah, thank you all for watching and I will see you next time or you will listen to me next time. Goodbye. <laughs>